2: You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it.
0: Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Derek Johnson with Nick Springer. We good? Kansas just absolutely bloodbath. With North Carolina Central. I said yesterday, I thought that uh, Fort Hayes State was better than North Carolina Central. That might be the yep. greatest take I've ever had. Yeah, that was very very accurate, <laughs> as it turns out. Yeah, and uh, KU was so impressive in the win that Travis Goff was like, hey, this this Bill Self guy, he might know a thing or two. Yeah, and, maybe we should uh, give, him a, news give him a contract. From earlier today. Kansas Bill Self has signed a new amended five-year rolling contract that makes him the highest-paid college basketball coach in the country. So he already had this. He already had just the, like basically they did yeah, another one where he gets. It was more. a five-year rolling contract where it was always five years, and it was basically a lifetime contract just termed in a different way with the rolling five years. Yeah. We don't know what's totally amended outside of I. I don't know. This might be the only part that's amended. Just the part that he's the highest-paid basketball coach. He's gonna make big, I think it was John no. Rothstein reported that yeah, he's over thirteen million. Thirteen mil. Worth every penny, right? That's a lot of dollars. It is a lot of dollars. Do you think Lance Leipold looks at that and he's like That's kind of messed up? Well here's what I was thinking more. actually. Okay. Do you think
3: that KU was like, you know what, let's go ahead and let's go ahead and make sure we take care of, of our boy Bill and then we're gonna take care of Lance. Mm-hmm. So you think this is them Bump Lance from five to seven? Yeah. You, know? Do you think this is them basically Maybe. getting a deal done with Bill and then saying, All right, now we're gonna
0: then well, we'll it very out. much could be because KU is in a spot where, okay, if, if there's all these Big Ten schools that are going to come calling, you know, Michigan State. I don't know what's going to happen with Northwestern. I don't know is Kirk Ferentz going to retire? Is Iowa going? to Whatever. where they're going to come calling, and they're going to be able because of their giant TV deals, be able to offer I don't know ten million a year, maybe even more for Lance Leipold. Kansas is probably sitting there going, oh no, do we have to get Leipold up to you know eight, nine, ten million dollars a year? And then, if you give him that contract, what does that Like, what are you saying to Bill Self? Where it's like, hey, I know this football coach has done a great job, but you've done an excellent job for two decades. Shouldn't you be making more? And so sure. maybe you're right. Maybe this is the first step to say, hey, we're gonna redo Lance Leipold's contract once again.
3: Yeah, I don't yeah. Know. I don't know. It's just just a thought. I don't know how true that is. But also, yeah. I think you have to consider. I mean, from a revenue standpoint, KU has the number one team in college basketball. And the football team has been really, really good now this season. So you have your two top revenue programs of your athletic department that are both excelling at a high level. You should be able to, I think, scramble up extra money in order to, to make sure that you want to keep that. Oh going. yeah. For sure. I, that's what I would
0: think. Yeah, I I don't think anybody uh, you know, who covers K U or, or roots for K U is gonna have a problem with it, uh to say the least if anything yeah. it's celebration from everybody. So K U dominates North Carolina Central last night. Um, it was over in four minute? minutes, four <laughs> Three minutes, 99, minutes. 56 was the final score. And honestly, I don't even know if that felt like enough to show how much of a dominating no. game it was. No. Cause I mean, they were up by 40 in the first half. If, if Kansas would have like tried as hard as possible, kept the starters in for the entire game, how much did they win by 70? I mean, they would have scored probably at least 120, I would think. Well, cause at halftime... I have time they Hunter up Dickinson what? had one less point than yeah. NC Central as a team, and he had one less rebound than <laughs> NC Central as a team. Yeah, it was 44 to 18? 49 to 18? I don't even know. I, I think it was more than 49 50, to 18. Something to 18. It was a lot to a little. It's one of those games where you don't even like recognize the score because you're just like, oh, it was 59 you're just to 18. them. It was 59, 59 to 18. 59 to 18. So you're up, 40, up 41, 41. at halftime. Would they have won by 80 if they tried? I mean, maybe. Mm. That's what that would have flipped off to. I don't know. Yeah. Like I
3: said, I mean, I, I think... I think you score 120 easily. Yeah. So maybe you win by 70, 120 to
0: 50. And it's hard to even like pick and choose about, be like, oh, well, this is something, well, they, they didn't do this great. Like, everything, they did everything great last night. Yeah. The three point shooting, which had been <laughs> dormant awesome. for the first five exhibition games. You go nine of 40 in the two exhibition stateside games, which is like 22.5%. You go 29% from three if you include the three games in Puerto Rico with the Illinois and Fort Hayes State game. So there were questions about three-point shooting, especially when you add to it that those games came after we had questions about it in the offseason. So it was like, okay, is this proving you know, maybe a hypothesis that you might have had about this team? Well, hello, three-point shooting, 13 of 23. It yeah. felt like KU hey, could not miss.
3: You got Hunter Curry and uh, Kevin Thompson <laughs> on
0: the team. So what are you talking about? Yeah, what's the big deal? <laughs> I mean, I, I, there was no ever concern it was, it was at any Nick point. Timberlake, like Jordan Poole, I know he's <laughs> no longer on the Warriors, but um.
3: yeah, incredible performance uh, from from beyond the arc for KU. And I mean, they it was just I don't I don't think you can expect Hunter Dickens to be doing that every
0: single night. But not three for three. But there will but, be other games where he maybe goes two for two. Yeah, Or he goes one. For but two, I mean, or Nick Timberlake, for three. four of seven. And, or or McCoy was from 4 three. of 7. Yes. And
3: three. Timberlake was 4 of 5.
0: I think it was 3 of 4 from 3. Four from oh, okay. Five okay yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, those are performances. Furphy hit a
3: couple. Yep. Yep. The Furfinator. Furf and turf.
0: <laughs> We're going to get more into the uh, the Furphy nickname talk, because they actually brought it up on the broadcast, and we'll, we'll play the <laughs> audio clip for you with uh, Brian Haney and Greg Gurley from the Jayhawk Radio Network. But yeah, yeah. That, was, that was nice to see. It's not, it's not a grandiose takeaway that... Suddenly they're going to be the greatest three point shooting right, team in the country, right. but it's it's clear now that they have they have it. In they have them. the ability. Yeah. The question will be how often do they get there? Yeah. Can you can you be, can you do that a little bit more consistently? Yes. So. But it was good to see. It was good to see oh, that you have that see. and tell you. Uh, and Hunter
3: Dickinson, dude, what did I say yesterday? Mm. Hunter Dickinson, please try. Oh, he, he tried. finally tried.
0: You saw him get all pumped up. He's yes. yelling to the crowd. Yeah, he was fired we up. He posted a couple uh, tweets afterwards about like yeah. how. Hyped up Allen Fieldhouse was, which yeah, great atmosphere. I thought it was a great atmosphere, but if he thinks that was a great atmosphere, wait till they like host UConn or Missouri or, yeah, or, or wait, just is Missouri at- in the Sprint Center? I don't even remember anymore. Uh, no, Wichita in. State's in the okay, well, that's T right. Mobile Center, by yeah, way. whatever. <laughs> we all know, we all know, we all know. <laughs> um, but I mean, KU and, and this goes back to Hunter Dickinson too. Like, KU has been actually really dominant on two point shots. 80% almost on two-point shots this game. Which, I think it was like 78-point-something percent. As they should be. You have Hunter Dickinson yeah. and K.J. Adams. And you're playing an undersized team. Parker yeah. Brown, too. I mean, yeah, uh, they, they've can and they've done that every game. Like, even in the Illinois game, they did shoot really well in two-point shots against a defense that a year ago was the number one defense in the Big Ten in two-point defense. So.
3: By the way, KU, the last time they didn't win their home opener, I think, was like 1972. That's crazy. They're on like a, I think they're on a I think with the win last night it's now 51. Mm. I think 51 straight home opening wins. Who got them in 72, do you know? I don't know.
0: <laughs> that could be no a RCST trivia question. Keep that in mind for later.
3: It was the 73-74 season I think was when the streaks was when this mm-hmm. home opening streak started.
0: But yeah, if if I'm looking at this team's identity, it's two-point dominance might be the way that that I think things are going to go over the course of this season. Unbelievable passing night though, too. And that yeah. could end up being the identity of this team, too, because you know, when you're talking um thirty four assists in a game, that is just remarkable. And it's not just one guy. Now it helps to have a guy like DeWan Harris who gets that going, but like Kevin McColar is a good passer for a wing. KJ Adams is a good passer for for the position he plays. Hunter Dickinson's a good passer for a center. Like oh, Marco right. Jackson, you're playing another basically point guard out there. This is an elite passing team.
3: You want to take a guess? What team defeated KU in nineteen seventy two at home? Can you give me at least like a conference? Uh, well, it's in, they're in the SEC now. I have no idea what conference they would have been in in 1972. Okay, Texas A&M.
0: Nope. Arkansas. Nope. Vanderbilt.
3: There you go, Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. 72-64, December 2nd, 1972. Wow. I'm just glad it was not
0: Arkansas because uh, they, they lost
3: consecutive games at home. Mm. They lost to Indiana then at home after they lost to Vanderbilt.
0: Wow. Wow. But Down they, they beat hard Murray times. State. Then they lost that home again to Iowa. Oh, my. Wow. What were the What were the fans in 1972? I, I don't know. I have questions, man. If you were a uh, student at KU in 1972, I don't think you uh, held up your end of the bargain in the student section. You didn't provide a good enough home court environment. Anyway, I, I don't really think there's much I can nitpick about last night. And so no. I'm not going to. No. Well, uh, the, the only the thing men- you can say is, like, how much can you really take away because clearly North Carolina Central is not very good, and I'm open to that and being like, well, we're going to learn, obviously, a lot more in the Kentucky game yeah. than we're going to learn in this game. But I mean, as far as openers go against a lesser opponent, you, you this did what you should have. This isn't nitpicking,
3: but Don Harris didn't attempt a shot. Uh, but I, I thought it was funny. He put it on, he, I don't know if you saw, he put it on his Instagram story later on, and he was like, mm-hmm. I'll shoot when I need to. Yes thought that was pretty funny.
0: No, I I almost wanted Dewan Harris
3: is I
4: mean, twenty five
0: minutes, no shot attempts, mm-hmm. but ten assists. Yeah, um, there were times when I remember Steve Kerr was like explaining this with Dennis Rodman, who he played with Dennis Rodman, you know, back in uh, in the nineties with Bulls. And Dennis yeah. Rodman would have games where he, you know, four points.
3: Oh yeah, twenty
1: no, rebounds. No, did you watch
3: uh, a... the last dance they talk about? Yeah, it, where he would have games where he'd have like zero points or two points, but have like twenty two rebounds.
0: He loved that. He he preferred to score zero points and grab thirty rebounds than he would have to had twelve points, sixteen rebounds. Yeah. Yeah. He just preferred it a lot more. (laughs) I I wonder if Dewan Harris has that same mentality. He just he just likes being the guy that's getting the assists. Like, do you think he went into this game, especially after they got the early lead and he was like, watch this, I'm not gonna even take (laughs) a shot. I'm gonna dominate this game. I'm gonna be thrown to everybody. I'm gonna play good defense. Like it's not gonna be an issue. Now, obviously, once you get to the better teams, he will have to score. But like in a situation like that, like there's nothing wrong with that. And if anything, yeah. it's cool because it gets your other guys involved early in the season and makes them feel, I don't know, like like a good sense of accomplishment a little bit, like kind of early on. I, I thought it was funny too. We had the player audio with Dewan and he was talking about how, like, when he plays NBA 2K, he like shoots every time. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like so opposite. It's just like his escape from being this pass first point guard, which is uh, just kind of really funny there. Yeah, uh, and but then I think you look at the two guard situation. Yeah, that's probably the most interesting conversation coming. Out and of all here. three of them played pretty
3: well. Yeah. I mean, Furphy was really really good uh, for the minutes that he played. Nick Timberlake, obviously with the three point shooting, and Elmarco Jackson, I think, settled in. He got into foul trouble early and didn't play much. I think for the majority of the later in the first half but still ended up with 8 points and he actually still ended up playing the most amount of minutes out of those three guys.
0: Yeah, I was I was pretty surprised when I went and looked at the box score at the end of the game and I was like, wow, Marco had 8 and 5. Like that's a pretty good game there. 3-5 from the floor. I didn't mind the early foul stuff. I know that's been uh, maybe a bit of an issue in in one of the exhibition games too, but like the fact that he was fouling, playing aggressive, I think is a good sign because you heard from Bill Self that he was overthinking things. That showed to me he was more so just playing, so I was actually fine with that. I, I think that could be a good thing. Like you said, yeah, 8-5 and five in 21 minutes. Uh, Furphy played 17. He had 6 points, 2 of 4 from 3, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, 1 steal. One of his assists, fantastic entry pass to KJ Adams, yeah. which was nice to see because you're going to be throwing entry passes if you're out there, if you're KU, so that yeah. was good to see him have that. And then, yeah, Nick Timberlake, did what you were brought in to do. Shoot yep. the basketball. 3-4 from mean, 3, 4-5 from uh, the field, 2-2 two of two at the foul line. I mean, if this is a stat
3: line you could get every single night from Nick Timberlake, you're golden, right? 13 you're points,
0: golden. 1 assist, nothing else, 4-5 or five shooting. Exactly. That's all you need.
3: Yes. In in 20, 20 minutes. minutes. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. I think if you can get that stat line night in and night out, you'll be over the moon about that.
0: Yeah, and so uh, Bill Self said after the game in regards to the starters is, the, the fifth starter, He said, uh, Timberlake and El Marco are the two options to start. Johnny's not because he missed three weeks. Which I think that makes sense. I think it does make sense. But that's for the near term. Yeah. Once we get to a certain point, I don't know when that point would be. Is this in the Maui Invitational? Is this in December? Is this not until we hit conference play? I I don't know when that would be. But I'll be honest, last night, watching what Johnny Furphy did, I'm kind of highest on him being the fifth starter.
3: Yeah. Well, I think the biggest thing with Furphy was that you think about El Marco, and he has clearly had some struggles, right, through the first couple of games that he's had to play and start and whatnot, even though they were exhibitions, but he's clearly he's clearly had, had an adjustment. Furphy didn't even seem to really have any sort of adjustment. He looked pretty natural out there. And so that almost – I mean, I understand he's missed some time, but the fact that he's been able to kind of just slot in and looks pretty comfortable and doesn't seem out of place and doesn't feel like he's trying too hard or really looking to make any plays where he's thinking too much – that maybe mitigates the fact that he did miss some time with injury, right? That maybe puts him in a position where he can possibly leapfrog back into that conversation. And, and I, I would probably agree with you. I mean, I think at this point, long term, Furphy looks like the guy that maybe might be playing the most out of those three. I mean, uh, you know, we kind of talked about it. Like, with Timberlake, even if he is the starter, his, he, he, he kind of has a hard cap, I feel like, on what his maximum amount he's going to be playing, right? 25 minutes is probably, like, the max, so there's going to be opportunities for both Furphy and El Marco to be playing quite a bit, even if Timberlake is like the de facto starter of that spot. But yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Furphy played really, really well. And and again, to me, what's most impressive is the fact that he kind of hit the ground running. I mean, he has missed some time. Bill Self talked about that. And I, maybe I'm Bill Self, I don't know that he would say this publicly, but I'm sure he had to have been a little bit impressed with the way Furphy got on the floor and, and again, looked and fit right in pretty easily, right? Uh, now, I don't know if that's something he'd come out and say publicly. He probably would maybe not say that right away. But, but yeah, I mean, he, he came out and looked really, really good right away, which is really impressive for, for, uh, for a guy like him coming from, you know, a bajillion miles away, the Furfinator, Furfin turf. And, uh, and we're going to th- that. We're okay, all right, sorry, that. sorry, sorry. But, yeah, no, I, I, I think mm-hmm. Furphy is probably, in terms of, like, actual tangible takeaways from, like, the game, that's probably the biggest one is the yeah. fact that he came out, hit the ground running, looked really good, and followed, and, and the fact that he followed it up off after the performance that he had against uh, Fort Hayes State. Uh, I think that's that's got to be the most like tangible takeaway. I mean, NC Central was obviously just just not a very good team, <laughs> you know. And I mean, listen, they have 11 they had 11 new players on their roster. They're probably going to end up being a lot better come just you know March, February time time period. But uh, yeah, they were just outclassed and not matched. Uh, last night by Kansas. So, you know, I'm not I'm not going to read into the three-point shooting like we said. You know, I'm not going to be like, oh, the best three-point shooting team in the country, oh. But Furphy, to me, is the one thing that stood out the most where it's like, okay, this dude missed some time, but he came in and looked legit and didn't seem really rattled at all by the atmosphere or by the spotlight and performed
0: at a high level. Right, and it's it's a couple of reasons for me why I would come to that conclusion this early on. Obviously, things can can clearly change if if anybody, you know, starts in the ground running. And it's not a knock on any player. And also, no, like, no. again, as we have these conversations and be like, well, I think this guy should start over this guy. Or I think, you know, this guy should be higher on the pecking order than that guy. It still is with the understanding of, like, okay, but both are going to have to play 15, 20, 25 minutes. Exactly. Minute. You like, know what I mean? At worst case... The uh, the third guy out of these three that we're right.
3: talking about, Timberlake, El Marco, and and Furphy. Yeah, worst case, 15, the third guy's playing like 13. fourteen. Yeah, exactly. T- Twelve to fourteen minutes a game.
0: Right, so there's a role for all three of these guys. The reason I I feel like Furphy is is kind of the answer there. And again, I I understand the Bill Self thing about taking more time. And if it's not him starting for another month, I I get that. I'm just saying in the long term, like well, eventually, listen. who's to say we'll that there? he couldn't
3: get have a shin splints come back if he tried sure, to push him too much? That could happen too.
0: I don't know. But when you look at those three players, so if if you're ranking the best three-point shooter, Timberlake's one, Furphy's two, El Marco Jackson is three. Well, three-point shooting is really important for that other spot when mm-hmm. when you look at what KU is doing. Um, so you know you you keep that in mind. I think Furphy's a much better defender than Timberlake. I think if you're going based off defense, it just kind of depends what you're defending. Like with El Marco, he might end up being a better like guard defender. With Furphy, he might be better. I don't know of a wing defender just because of the size yeah. difference and with El Marco. This so if you're
3: stuff. playing a team with two small guards, maybe El it's Marco, El Marco might make, make, make more sense.
0: But see, the beauty of having Furphy defensively is that you throw out a lineup where you have Dewan Harris, Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year, and then you go six, 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 seven, six, nine, seven, two. And having that type of height and athleticism, and, I mean, Furphy would be your second tallest player on the floor. He's essentially in there even though he's he's almost like a starting three-slash-four man, if anything, and I think yeah. that could be very beneficial. Gives you another rebounder out there. He has been a good passer. Elmarco's more of the traditional point guard-type passer where he does it with the ball in his hand. Furphy is more of a connective-type passer, reading ahead on a play. Again, that that uh, entry pass to K.J. Adams was fantastic. He also, um, ha- he also had a really nice extra pass to one of her to get yes. to three. I don't want 100
3: tickets and three point shots
0: and so so the reason that I'm I'm kind of early on I don't know putting my stake I guess in, in the Johnny Furphy starting bandwagon or whatever I think El Marco Jackson has the higher potential like if you're looking at between if I'm just gonna narrow this down Marco versus Furphy El Marco Jackson has the higher potential to be the star of a team I think El Marco Jackson has the higher potential to be a you know future all-American at Kansas right? But I think Johnny Furphy has a higher potential to be a good supporting starter. And when you look at this year's team, they're not going to ask El Marco Jackson to play like an all-American. They're asking the fifth starter to be connective piece, hit some threes, play good defense. And when you look at those things, again, El Marco still should play 15, 20, 25 minutes per game. And I like El Marco Jackson. I'm high on what he's going to eventually become at Kansas. But I think for this specific role. I think Furphy, to me, is the go-to option as the starter. Well, let's put it this way. I mean, wouldn't it
3: shock you at all if El Marco Jackson just exploded in a game and, and nope. was going crazy? Not one bit. Nope, it wouldn't surprise you at all. But uh, you're right. I think maybe from the more support standpoint, Furphy might be a little bit better of a fit long-term. But I think El Marco Jackson, as you said, definitely is going to have a role. And and listen, there, there might be some games where teams are going to be doubling, tripling Hunter Dickinson, and you need – somebody to, to be explosive to create something, and that's where El Marco would be the perfect guy for that situation, right? So there, there's definitely going to be games where I think he's going to be important to to the KU offense, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Furphy, I, I, again, I think just was really impressive overall.
0: He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We'll see if KU can uh, do it again on Friday against Manhattan. That one, 5.30, and uh, tip off at 7. We'll hear from Bill Self tonight after the show for Hawk Talk 6-7 here on KLWN and our sister station 105.9 KISS. With uh, Nick Springer, Derek Johnson, Matt Tate joins us in about 15 minutes. Rock Chalk, pick a hawk recap next. Half past three, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Matt Tate of R1S1Sports.com is going to join us coming up in about 10 minutes from right now. We've got Kevin Flaherty joining the show at 440 later on. We also have our uh, NFL Week 9 recap. We're going to get to a bunch of player audio uh, from Hunter Dickinson, Nick Timberlake, Bill Self, Throughout the show. And we've got our KU Heroes and Villains segment, which we're gonna do a combo for KU football and KU basketball coming mm. up in the uh, top of the five o'clock hour for that. So Rock Chalk pick a hawk last night. Um a reminder on our rules you get one point for every point, two for every rebound and assist, three for blocks and seals, and you lose one for every minute played. Nick had the first pick, he took Hunter Dickinson. Turns good out pick. that was a good pick. Good pick. He, Great pick. I mean, he, this is crazy. 21 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, 1 steal, 2 blocks. That in itself is not crazy. It's a really good stat line, but it's almost something you expect because of of the hype with Hunter Dickinson. But yeah. he goes 8 of 9 as well, 3 of 3 from 3. What's even what the crazy part to me is that he did all that in 24 minutes. <laughs> well, dude, he had like 15 points in the first 5 minutes of the game. Could not be stopped. It was insane. So he gave you 32 pickahawk points. Sheesh. You got six from K.J. Adams, okay. who had 12, 5, and 2 on 6 of 8. He only played 23 minutes. Johnny Furphy got you six off we the go. bench. Solid yeah. numbers there. Hit a couple threes, five rebounds, two assists. He played 17 minutes. Nick Timberlake actually got you a negative five. Yeah, so this is the problem with Nick Timberlake, is that
3: if he's going to go out there and play 18 minutes and score 12 points and have – one rebound. He yeah, one assist, whatever. zero rebounds, ass- yeah, zero assist. steals, zero blocks. Exactly. It's gonna be, he's right. going
0: to be tough to get positive. And pick yeah, up. it's like from a real life perspective, what Nick Timberlake did last night is great. exactly what KU was looking for. Yes. From a pickahawk perspective, mm. it's, it's a little tougher. So I wonder yeah. if he's going to start falling on a draft board. I think he about. might. I don't know. Yeah. Then again, there there was one of the exhibition games, right? Where didn't he have like five rebounds or something? So I, yeah. don't, I don't know. I guess it kind of depends. Yeah. Uh, and then Michael Jankovic got you minus one, but it was nice to see Jank hit hit a shot. He, he yeah. hit two. He had
3: five points for the Wish game. Wish he would hit one to give him a hundred. But
0: which, by the way, is that his career high? I think that's the first time he scored what, five points more than just like one three. Mm, you sure he didn't have a game where he hit two threes? I don't think so. I'll I'll double check, but I, I'm pretty sure that's the case. Mm. So that's a, a new career, and and one thing I will say with with Michael Jankovic.
3: All right, a, a uh, RCST trivia question: What team did Michael Jankovic oh, score a career high five points have to be against? Really
0: hard. If we ask it next year, that might just be a hard. But if we ask that in like ten years, that would be really hard. <laughs> anyway, uh, Michael Jankovic um, played eight minutes in the game, and uh, you saw Wilder Evers play eight minutes as well. Seems like to me the top two. Because we saw this last game, too. The top two walk-ons, I guess the closest to being in the rotation would be those two players. But anyway, I don't know how important that is. Um, and then as far as my team goes, I had Kevin McCuller get 20. He had another 20-plus point outing. Um, he was really good. Yeah. And, hey, you actually got a little bit. He only played 24 minutes. So you got a little closer to what you were hoping for. Yeah. play, like, 20 minutes again yeah Yeah, that's exactly what I was hoping for.
3: Uh, but John- I think he still kind of – he, like, dove on the floor at one point and it mm-hmm. still was like – I was
0: like, "Ugh." Bubble wrap. Quickly. Yeah. Dewan Harris got me six. He took zero shots. <laughs> <laughs> he would have had a great line in last year's uh, version of how we did the scoring, mm. where you lost points for missed shots. I wouldn't oh, have had to worry about yeah, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. True. Uh, so we didn't have to worry about that. Parker Brown got me nine. He continues to do really well in this. Yeah, season. I've been, I've been... Quietly very impressed with old, with old PB. Yeah, same. And we even saw the lineup where Parker Brown played next to Hunter Dickinson for yeah. you know, a couple of minutes here or there. Yeah. Uh, Elmarco Jackson got me minus one, and Jamari McDowell did not play, ended up being injured and in uh, street clothes. Doesn't sound like it's going to be anything that's too long-term. No. Which Honestly, I just feel bad for Jamari McDowell because this would have been a great game to come in yeah, and be like, some, oh, I probably would have hit a couple threes yeah. and play a good amount of time. But so. here's the thing, though. In Pickahawk, yeah. he didn't play
3: – and he outscored my last pick, which was Michael Jackson, and no, marker Jackson, my second to last pick.
0: <laughs> so sometimes having a guy that doesn't play yeah, is not yeah. always a bad thing. Uh, so in the end, though, you won thirty-eight to thirty-four. Mm. Was the final. There we course. go, one and zero, win. baby. One and two for. One Europa. and zero. Oh. Woo! In the our one.
3: first ever game, one nope, nope. and zero. Oh. No, nope, first the case. game of the season, and not I'm one and zero. Oh. Wow, what a
0: crazy! Wow, what a shocker, man! Still never a losing lose. record. One and zero. Oh. Wow. Still one and <laughs> two. All right, uh, let's get on to some uh, Matt Tate, R1S1Sports.com. He's going to join us coming up on the other side to talk KU basketball from the game last night and a little KU football talk as well with Matt. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN KLWN.com and the KLWN app. Depend on it. Hey, it's Derek Johnson from Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. And despite sitting around in a studio all day, my body feels great thanks to Massage Envy. Their total body stretch service makes my body feel loose and limber and gets rid of some of those day-to-day aches I have from a long day at the office or working out at the gym. During the stretches, all you need to do is relax and breathe deep and they'll take it from there. It's great for your body and your mind. And they also have massages, rapid tension services, and advanced skin care. That's Massage Envy on 6th Street in Lawrence and South Black Bob Road in Aletha well, your you're listening to rock shock sports talk on klwn with nick springer i'm Derek johnson and we're joined now by matt tate of r1s1sports.com kansas dominates north carolina central last night a lot of things went right for the jayhawks uh i don't really know that there's anything that you could nitpick and be like yeah but that didn't go so well. And obviously the the opposition wasn't great in who KU was playing, but that's what you're supposed to do in those situations. So Matt, if you had to pick one, what was maybe the most impressive part about KU's win over NC Central last night?
5: Holy cow, that's a tough one, isn't it? Um I you know, I'll go with the easy one and just say Hunter Dickinson. Um when I when I was in Puerto Rico watching him play, he was you know, he put up numbers, but I, I was a little underwhelmed, um, and and I don't think he was—he didn't look that great against Fort Hayes, and and I, I didn't see too much of the uh, Illinois scrimmage because I was busy watching the Broncos beat the Chiefs that day. If you remember that, um, so I—sorry, uh, I had to do that. You know, I—you de- know, I deserved that one. Um, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't anyway. remember that happening. <laughs> but but you know, so again. The numbers maybe were there, um, but he but he wasn't he wasn't looking like the guy that everybody was talking about him being, or the guy that we saw him being at Michigan. And then, you know, may, maybe it's just a mental thing. Maybe it was just like, okay, this one counts, and so here I go. And if that's the case, you know, good for him. I mean, I I wouldn't even criticize him for that. I think that's human nature to some degree. I think that. A lot of people have a hard time getting up for games that that don't count or or don't mean as much. But season opener um, in a season where you're projected to be an All American and Conference Player of the Year and have national title aspirations and all that. I mean, you know, frankly, if that doesn't get you going, then there's probably something wrong with you. So it, it, I thought it was cool that that after some you know ho hum. Just kind of okay efforts um, in in those exhibition games that we saw. That that not only did he perform at, at the level that you know people are expecting him to perform at, but he did it in the first two minutes of the game. I mean, that, the, the guy was like, "Here I go, it's my time. Um, this is what you've all heard. This is what you've all been told. This is what you've all been waiting for." And I'm not going to wait. Make you wait any longer. Um, you know, the fact that he 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 did it. That way was really really cool, and obviously he brought a ton of energy. Um, knocked down the outside shots, scored at the rim, block shots. I mean, he he was he was fantastic, and I think a lot of those guys played played really well last night. I think it was a great a great win against, as you mentioned, a totally overmatched opponent. So it's it's you got to take it with a grain of salt there. But I think that um, when when you consider all of the attention and and projections and expectations that have been thrown on his shoulders for him to to officially kick off the, the season with with a big time showing like that was 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 way cool, man. I mean, he had to be on cloud nine. We talked to him a little bit afterwards, obviously, and and it, it was clear that he was happy. He was he was feeling great. Um, but that was probably a small glimpse of just how good he was feeling. I, I have to imagine afterwards with his family and, and and um you know even with his teammates in the locker room and that kind of stuff he was probably just like yeah this is this is why I'm here. This this is awesome. Let's go. So um lot of good things you said like you said, but but Hunter had to had to be the the best one and it may be the easy answer, but I'm okay with that. My brain hurts. There's a lot going on right now. Women's hoops come on. I men's last night and later this week, volleyball rolling football rolling, uh, there's a lot happening. So I'll, I'll, I'll take the easy answer this time. All right,
0: there we go. Uh, I, I thought one of the more interesting conversations coming out of the game was kind of the fifth starter conversation. I think all three of the guys in that competition with Marco Jackson, Nick Timberlake, Johnny Furphy showed some stuff. I'm I'm kind of on Team Furphy at this point. Now, I understand what Bill Self said in the postgame that, you know, he's just three weeks behind and so he has to make up basically reps essentially and that – yeah, maybe, maybe if Furphy continues to play the way he's going, maybe he becomes a starter, but it's just later in the season. I don't know. Uh, who, who would you stake your claim in? Who's your guy uh, to be the fifth starter come December? If you had to make that pred- prediction, so a month from now, who do you think the fifth starter will be?
5: I'm with you, man. We can make shirts if you want. I, <laughs> I, uh, I'm i in. I I think um, there's a lot to like about El Marco. Um but if you were nitpicking, like you talked about last night, he had five assists and just one turnover. So that was, that was good. You would you'd like to see that, but he also fouled three times in eight minutes and had to sit a lot of the first half. And um, my God, man, the poor guy, you know, self talk about how he's in his own head and thinking a little too much. And, and then there was a moment, I don't know if you saw it, but, but a moment where he, he even got his foot tangled up with the official in front of the North Carolina central bench and, and he stayed in and he was fine, but it definitely rolled it a little bit and it tweaked it. And, you know, like one of those, when it rains, it pours kind of moments for him, I thought. Um, but, but it was cool to see him stay in and play through it. And then, and then put up some numbers like he did the five assists and one, and one turnover, you take that from him every game, no matter what else he does. So I, I like, I like his game. I like his, his role. I like how he fits. And, and I, and I like how Timberlake fits too. I think he's a you know knockdown shooter who who can do other things, but you won't ask him to do much more than that. And and I think he's okay with that. And I think it fits the the role that it needs to fill. Burpee, um, though is is the guy to me that just looks like you know he can do it all. And his shot looked good last night. I thought um, he he slides his feet really well on defense. I'm sure it's not to the to the liking of self and the coaching staff quite yet, but. Um, you can always tell, I think, and, and I'm sure they've, they've said this is probably where I got it, but you can always tell a player's defensive potential when you watch them and when you watch them with the effort they put in and, and when a guy slides his feet that hard and, and is clearly trying to play defense the right way, you know, you know, it's just a matter of time before he gets there, provided it's not someone like you or me, you know, who just have brutally slow feet and couldn't play defense if their lives depended on it. So, you know, when you're talking about Kansas basketball athletes, and, and no, no disrespect if you're a good defender. I, I, I Oh, no, think I'm slow. I, I can
0: uh, yeah. defend interior, but, you know, a right, little bit.
5: Right, right. Yeah, I actually heard a good story the other day about um, Michael Swain said he was playing – Maybe pickup ball with you and Scott Chasen one time, and and he absolutely loved how brutal you were to Chasing on every shot that he took. (laughs) And much like it did there with you, it it made me laugh and it made me smile, and I love picturing it. And honestly, I haven't stopped picturing it since he told me. So uh, I, I think I might have like
0: broke Scott's finger on accident on like blocking a shot so hard.
5: Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. See, no, don't don't ever change. Let's leave it at that. Um, but but anyway, yeah. I think getting back to Furby. I think that's that's all. The tools are there. He, he's he's got great offensive game. He's long. He he, he works defensively. He's willing to defend. Um, he, he his shot looks good. Like I just think there's. You give him that time that he needs, and and you know if he didn't miss the time because of the shin splints and and arriving late in the first place, I think he'd probably be in that position to begin with. Um, so so you know is it is it too early for him? Yeah, it probably is, and obviously it is itself um, is not really even considering him at, at this time. But December may be too early, um, maybe not a month from now. You know, not not that far away. But if if you if you give me January, I I would definitely take curfew. And again, that's not a knock on the other two at all. I think they, they have important roles. They can fill important roles and they can be huge, huge impact type players on this team because they just don't have the depth. So all three of those guys are going to have to play big minutes regardless of who starts, who does and all that stuff. But yeah, I, I feel, and even felt going into last night, like it was, it was, it was just a matter of time before that becomes curfew. So We'll see. Um I was arterial Morris all summer. I mean that's that's you know, that's that's the, the crazy thing when you think about it. And I, I don't want to bring him up and get into a whole thing at all, but, but um just in terms of him, him as a basketball player, if he were still around, he was the fifth starter, he makes the defense better, and then you have guys like that, Furphy, El Marco and and uh Timberlake on the bench and all of a sudden you have more depth too. So um you know, bad deal all the way around with him, um, and and he doesn't deserve much more time to be talked about. Obviously, but from a basketball and a rotation standpoint, that that that's kind of stuck out to me too here because um, that 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 changed the way the whole thing stacks up. But there's enough there, and all three of those guys are capable. And and you know, is it is it possible that they all three kind of have some spot starting as as the season progresses? yeah, I'm sure self and the, and the rest of the team would probably love one of those guys to take the job and just hold it down and, and Hey, I'm the guy, but you know, don't force that. Right. If it's, if it's not there yet, then just go hot hand to, to use the running back analogy or, or, you know, base it on the matchup of the opponent or whatever it takes, because they're all going to play about the same number of minutes. And so, you know, it, it, it takes some of the edge off of it. And, and I wrote that last week, I think, it, maybe after the Fort Hayes State game. It was, it was one of my takes from that game. It was basically like, what, why? There's a, here's, the, here's the deal. Bill Self can't go wrong with who he picks as the fifth starter because they're all going to play, and they're all important, and they're all going to have a big role on this team come hell or high water. It's just, it's just the way the roster sets up right now.
0: Talking with Matt Tate, R1S1Sports.com here on RCST. And uh, switching over to KU Football, who had a big win on Saturday, taking down Iowa State 28-21. to How does what's happening right now with KU Football, 7-2 and two on the season, program continues to have the arrow pointed up, I guess under the assumption that that Lance Leipold stays in, in Lawrence. Obviously, there's always going to be jobs kind of calling. How, how does what's happening right now this year, with the way the Big 12 is going to look moving forward. How does it affect how you kind of view this program and what they can be year in, year out uh, in the Lance Leipold era? Uh,
5: yeah, I was talking to somebody about this earlier today, actually. And I think that last year was really cool. And 5-0 and and game day and Jalen breaks out and they get to a bowl game and all that stuff, right? Really, really fun season. But they also had a stretch where it wasn't so fun, you know, after five and zero, they, they lost what, uh, seven of their last eight games. And, and that's not much fun. Right. And so there there was clearly, clearly still a lot of work to be done. Um, they've done the work. They've answered a lot of those weaknesses, a lot of those shortcomings that created that, that stretch of one and seven to finish the season. And, I think, I think part of it is, is just experience and, and maturity and just you know, another year older, wiser, stronger, all that stuff. But I think the other part of the, the, the equation is it just is another year for, for that culture to just take a stranglehold on what's happening at that program. And, and all of a sudden, man, you're, you're looking at a program that these things they're doing, like the, what was the Iowa State line? Um, were they? Was yeah, State they favorite?
0: they were favored by yeah. I think two two and a half.
5: Yeah, so so you know Vegas is very rarely wrong, right? And like as everything was trending toward Iowa State, Iowa State, Iowa State, the the, the kickoff time, aims, the weather, that crowd, how excited they are, how well they'd been playing, the, the the point spread. I mean, all those things were saying Iowa State, and there was not a. Single moment last week where I thought anything other than a Kansas victory was going to be what we were going to see on Saturday, and I'm not saying that to, to say I was right or hey I know everything I don't by any means, but I just think that that's an indication or, or an example or, or an illustration of where this program's at. Like I think they've passed another threshold. I think they've they've crossed another milestone of like they're mentally strong as much as they are physically gifted and talented and, and what they can do on the field in terms of production. I think they have, they have grown and grown up and, and established themselves as this team that it's not that they believe in them, themselves anymore because they have to, you know, have that faith and they have to, you know, Hey, Hey, like Ted Lasso, believe, you know, none of that. like, they believe themselves because they know they're damn good. And it's just like, yeah, we're going to win or yeah, we're going to do this or yeah, we're going to beat Oklahoma. And I think that's a culture thing. I think that's a, that's a character thing. I think that's, that's a a credit to the coaches and the players themselves. I mean, there's, there's so much of that. that's just not easy to attain and it's not um, a given either, as we've seen, obviously. So, because of all that because because all that seems at least in my mind to be so firmly in place with this group now you can look at this thing and say yeah 7 and 2 is really cool and gosh if they win this week they're 8 and 2 and boy they're really rolling and this thing's really turning and you can look at that and say all those things and still kind of look at yourself or look in the mirror talk to whoever you're talking to and say and it still kind of feels like this is just the beginning and I don't know that you're going to hear them say that a lot. Maybe they've kind of whispered those words a little bit because I do think they have some really, really big visions for where this thing can go. But I think other people are starting to have those too. And, and I, I think they're real and I think they're, they're valid. And, uh, you know, I, I, just, I just think that this is a program that, that, yeah, it's on the rise, but, boy, it has arrived too. And uh, once you've arrived, if you continue to rise, and you you can go to new heights and 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 really impressive heights in a hurry. So I, I just I've been so impressed by that as much as anything to do with X's and O's or or personnel or anything like that. I just think the the mental toughness of this group and just how how convicted they are in the fact that they belong and they are good and they this is not a fluke. This is who Kansas football is right now. Um, that stuff's really really impressive to me.
0: Well, uh, obviously, there's a lot going on with football, with basketball. You talked about volleyball as well. A bunch of content there. R ones one sportscom which uh, you have some staff members like Jack McGar wrote on uh, on a banjo, which I'm I'm still sad that KU volleyball is not like every time she gets a kill or something they play like a banjo sounder like a do or something. I think they should yeah. anyway. Uh, KU volleyball is ranked 14th for like the fifth mill five millionth straight week. What what is up with that?
5: <laughs> yeah, it's 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 one of those things that's driving me crazy too because they're on a roll man and they're in the, one of the best conferences in 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 the country and you'd like to think that what they're doing could bump them up a spot you know um but you know i, I think that in, in a lot of ways it's probably serving as its own sense of motivation i know for sure just like the football program and, and just like you know anyone uh in those those shoes like they don't really care about the rankings, right? Like maybe they'll use it as a little bit of motivation. Maybe they do notice it, but it's not like it affects, you know, their minds or how they're playing or what they eat or if they eat or anything like that. So I don't think they're too worried about it. If anything else, um, I think they kind of love that, that there's still, you know, work to be done to prove to people how good they are, but they are really, really good. The the win over K-State last weekend, both the Friday night five-set thriller and then, of course, following that up with the sweep. Um, that was phenomenal. I mean, that that was... And K-State had just swept uh, BYU, who was ranked number eight in the country at the time. I mean, K-State's not, you know, any slouch. And, and KU absolutely um, just played at another level. And, and, and K-State played really well on Friday. KU just... It, it, it sort of ties back into that, that football conversation I just, we just had. It's like their culture and their mental resolve and their belief in themselves is off the charts. And so they were down 1911 in that second set against K state. And, you know, they're basically like, until you have 25, we know we can still win. And that's not the case for, for a lot of teams. A lot of teams are, are dead when it's 1911 or 1710 or whatever, it's already over. They're already thinking third set or next set or whatever, but and you could just see it in these—the way these girls played, like they were like—they got to 1912 and 1913, and then you you were like, okay, man, they think they can still win this set, and they didn't give an inch, man. So, um, yeah, they're fine. They 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 deserve to be ranked higher, but they they also, you know, are, are fine with proving that and and continuing to prove it. And this is a big weekend at Iowa State too, so. Um, yeah, I just was—you know—I was at Iowa State last weekend for the football game, and so I, I missed the, the the volleyball stuff. I obviously watched it on ESPN Plus, but but I wasn't able to attend. So, um, having seen what they did um, in, in that match, I just decided and you know, really had a couple of conversations to make sure it was cool with, with my, my company and the site and everybody else that's involved in this. But we, we decided it's volleyball appreciation week at r1s1sports.com. And so uh, my plan and, and it's, you know, two days, two for two so far, but th- to have uh, at least, at least one new volleyball story every day this week and, and give them the love they deserve. Uh, we've been doing it all year. There's a ton of volleyball content on the site. I've, I was just telling Nick too that I kinda end every Tuesday with you talking about volleyball it seems like and here we are again. So there's a lot there but this week's gonna be sort of that like let's let's really throw it out there and and, and really show um show people how we cover sports that aren't basketball and football because what the volleyball team is doing is is equally as impressive as what those other sports are doing and, and uh I, I love the opportunity to cover it and posted a really cool story today about Molly Schultz. Um she doesn't lead them in anything other than just positivity and smiling. And um, there's, there's a place for her on every team. And it's worth reading if you go check it out, because um, not necessarily just about Molly, although she's a fantastic, fantastic girl. But um, it's worth reading because of what her her teammates said about her. These, these, these quotes that her teammates gave me about her were just mind-blowing. I mean, such kind things that they said about her and, and, and they nailed it. They hit her on the head. And um, so that's up there now um, on a is, is up there too. The story you mentioned by Jack, um, that was, that was great. Um, I, I've got some plans for a Caroline Bien story. Uh, Reagan Cooper update. Uh, we gave a little bit of a, an, an overview of where they're at in terms of their goal of hosting an NCAA tournament action So that's on there right now. And then I've also got something planned on Katie Dalton. um, Another just super nice, super talented, super underrated type of player. So um, there'll be a ton of volleyball stuff up all week. And then of course, was at the men's game last night. There's, there's a bunch of stuff from that. We'll be at the women's game tomorrow night when they open their season and there will be a bunch of stuff from that too. So tis the season, man, I need to go um, ice my fingers, I guess that's, (laughs) That's the sports writer injury other than not sleeping ever. But, yeah, the, the icing of the fingers is critical. So I will do that, but it's a, it's a fun time because there's so much to write about. And, you know, Travis Goff and company should should just be on cloud nine uh, with, with how well this department is performing across the board right now. It's, it's absolutely incredible how on fire KU Athletics is right now.
0: All right, well, as uh, Ben Stiller once said in the famous movie Happy Gilmore, your fingers hurt? Well, now your back's going to hurt because you pulled landscaping duty. Matt, thank you so much for the time (laughs) as always, man. And uh, check everything out, r1s1sports.com. Have a great rest of your week.
5: Thanks, man. That's a beautiful ending. I almost don't ever want to come on with you again because I don't think you'll ever be able to top that. But take that as a challenge, and and I'll do the same.
0: There we go. Again, Matt Tate, R1S1Sports.com, joining us here on RCST. One hour down, two to go. More Rock Chalk Sports Talk after this timeout. Four o'clock hour. This is RCST on KLWN. Kevin Flaherty is going to join the show in about 35 minutes to talk some more KU football, KU basketball, Big 12, with Kevin coming up later in the show, we'll get to our KU football, KU basketball heroes and villains segment. Right now, though, it's time for our NFL Week 9 recap. Did you know we're halfway through the NFL season? That's sad. It is sad. It makes me sad. It makes me sad. It means we're way past the halfway point of the college season. We only too. have three games left. That's crazy. I mean, that's sad. It's going to be gone before you know I mean, it. that
3: is, that's like devastatingly sad. Yeah. I mean, that's horrible.
0: It is. What Terrible. was your
3: biggest surprise besides it being Week 9 already? I think the biggest surprise, I mean, Josh Dobbs, man, getting traded, coming in, and just going crazy. They're like practicing (laughs) on the sidelines with cadence and taking snaps. Uh, I did not expect the Ravens to just demolish the Seahawks. That was a big surprise. I guess in hindsight, I should have expected the Raiders to beat up on the Giants, but I didn't, so I'll put that in there. But
0: I don't know, man, Josh Dobbs. It's a fun one. I've been very impressed with how good he is. I'll say uh, how good C.J. Stroud is. Stroud threw for 470 in the air. I think five touchdowns, six touchdowns, I believe six touchdowns, and the Bucks oh, wait. scored. It's only
3: five. Only five.
0: Okay, the Bucks scored late to go up 37 33. The Texans had the ball with under a minute to go. He quickly drives them down there. They get a touchdown. They end up winning 39 37. It's it's like. To a point where he's not just impressing as, oh, he's a really good rookie quarterback. And, oh, he's a rookie quarterback that's showing flashes and is going to be really good. He might already be a top 10 quarterback. And, of course, he's in the AFC. I know.
3: So annoying.
0: It is really annoying.
3: Meanwhile, Bryce Young goes to the <laughs> NFC and stinks. What's up with that? I NFC still have is high hopes for Bryce Young, to- But, yeah. yeah,
0: CJ Stroud definitely looks, looks better. Yeah, NFC is where quarterbacks go to be bad. It's going to be crazy. You're going to be able to probably go into some years, maybe even this year, where, like, the best quarterbacks who are not in the playoffs might all be, like, better than the best quarterbacks in the playoffs in the NFC, minus, like, Jalen Hurts, you know? Yes. It's crazy. So CJ Stroud is awesome. He's really, really good. I don't know where I would rank him necessarily if I was, like, putting everything out. There still is in the back of your mind, like, ah, he's going to trip up eventually. He's a rookie. Could be, yeah. But like he's he's been awesome. He's been really really good. Uh, what's been your big? What was your uh, biggest disappointment in week nine?
3: Yeah, I mentioned it with the Ravens. I mean, I just thought the Seahawks would not suck, so that was a pretty big disappointment. I think. Uh, what about this? I, I mean, the Chiefs' defense was great, but Dolphins' offense with Antua mm. is that a big disappointment? You think? A little bit. I put that in there. Uh, also, the Rams. I know they didn't have Matt Stafford, but they just looked inept. I mean, they just
0: looked so pitiful. Yeah, that was kind of sad. Uh, Jets last night, I'd be a big disappointment. But that I expected that. You expected them to lose that bad and Zach I, Wilson to look that bad again. <laughs> Zach Wilson has <is> quickly <laughs> faded from there. Was that luster he kind of gathered from? Yeah, dude, he was elite the Chiefs game the Chiefs, and then it was like the next like game or two is like okay, he was like, well he's still kind of riding off that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Giants game. I don't know, two forty touchdown, no picks, forty-seven percent completion rate. Okay. The stats don't look that bad against the Chargers. Two sixty-three, no touchdowns, no picks, sixty-seven percent completion rate. But like, he just wasn't really doing anything to <laughs> to process winning. And the Jets' offense was bad. Um, the defense couldn't even get it going. You give up. Have you, you know, seen thirty
3: uh, to the Chargers? Have you seen some of the conspiracy theories that have been popping up? No. So the, the one that I saw was that Aaron Rodgers faked the injury, the Achilles injury. <laughs> in order to ensure that the packers would not get that first round pick. Mm. Cuz like i it was like a part of the trade i think or something where it was like, yeah yeah it was yeah, if yeah. he plays yeah. x amount of games
0: or snaps or something yeah. 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 So he
3: faked the injury to ensure that
0: the he that the packers get screwed over basically. That's kind of funny but like at what point i feel like he'd be back <laughs> by now cuz i think he only would have had to miss like 4 games or something. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Jets, a uh, big disappointment. Honestly, I would throw the Chiefs' offense up there, and this may be more of like a season-long thing. Chiefs' offense has not been good. I don't care. They're 7-2. and two. They're going to be fine. Yeah, but it's still disappointing, the offense. Sure. I mean, overall, okay, yes, fine. but offensively. Uh, what is their best ho-hum win? Best ho-hum win? Uh, the
3: Browns. <laughs> I mean, do people even realize the Browns and the Cardinals played? Because I didn't. until I to the score. I don't remember that game coming up on, like, red zone very often. <laughs> well, that's because one of the teams didn't score <laughs> a single true. point. That helps. So that there wasn't any reason for them to put it in the red zone. Uh, yeah, Browns win 27-0 over the Cardinals. I mean, just, just – I think that, that is the uh, epitome of, of, of a ho-hum there. Uh, also, I'll just throw this one out there. This, the Steelers went over the Titans on Thursday night. That game vanished from memory. Mem- mem- <laughs> it was gone. Just because it's Thursday, but also it's because who cares about the Steelers and the Titans? So I put
0: that in there. Okay, that's fair. I'm mean, gonna go with the the Raiders. Uh, the Raiders fire their coach Josh McDaniels. Giants See, bad, but like you know, you you win thirty to six, kind of in the same vein as the Browns Cardinals, where it's like kind of forgotten. Yeah, but
3: the thing about the Browns Cardinals is like that was expected. The Raiders win was not expected. I don't think.
0: I know, but I still think it was so ho hum, like. It's what if they won thirty to six with Daniel Jones in there, then it wouldn't be ho hum. But with Tommy DeVito, he can't do anything. <laughs> I don't know why that dude's in the NFL. Like I, I don't know. That sounds really mean. I like they can't throw the football. So what? What was Tyron
3: Taylor's injury, or what's his deal?
0: Um, something with like, I don't know. Was it a rib or lung injury or something again? Uh, anyway, Tommy DeVito threw two games, has one hundred and seventy four passing yards. So that's not mm-hmm. great. Yeah. Uh, but I thought that was a good ho-hum win for them. And Antonio Pierce did a good job as the head coach, I guess, right away. Seemed like they were more happy, celebratory. I still don't think, yeah. like, the roster. There, No, it right. was it was clear that that team hated yes. Josh McDaniels. And it's like, okay, the boost they're going to get from that will probably be immediate. Long-term, the roster's probably not good enough for them to, you know, compete for a playoff spot or anything. But they're, they're sneaky 4-5. They yeah, can they get to seven wins? They're sneaky 4-5. You know, uh, who's your week two offensive and defensive MVP? Yeah,
3: on offense, I mean, we talked about Shroud, we talked about Josh Dobbs, Joe Burrow. Yeah, he's back. He, he is. is back, and it's all the, the Los Angeles Rams' fault, man. <laughs> the Los Angeles Rams are the reason why we have to deal Dude, with the Joe Rams. The Rams are right so now. bad; you cannot blame them for not winning a game. They had, they had them. They had the Bengals. They had them. They had them. <laughs> Bengals lose that game; they're done.
0: They're toast. They're cooked. So they, they'd be fine. No, they would have been four and four right now. They would have been cooked.
3: (laughs) They'd be cooked. Ridiculous.
0: Yeah, I mean Stroud's the obvious answer. Just to give somebody else, I'll I'll throw Keaton Mitchell, running back for the Ravens. He had nine carries for 138 yards and a touchdown as they absolutely blasted the uh, Seattle Seahawks. Defensively, I think there's some good picks out there. I don't know Paulson Adebo. He had uh, seven tackles, two interceptions, and a forced fumble. For the Saints against the game. Bears. Kenny Moore for the Colts had two pick sixes. Wow. They won by that, 14. I feel like that has to be you it. You want right? to go with him? Yeah. Uh, Max Crosby had three sacks
3: and eight tackles. That's pretty good, too. Yeah. Also, I think, did Max Crosby play every snap uh, defense? I don't know. I think he did. I think that was part of the stats. But yeah, I go impressive. with the Colts. Uh, the Kenny Moore. I mean, dude, good. two pick sixes
0: in one game. That's good. I mean, the, the Saints guy had three turnovers. That's good, too. <laughs> Okay, what is your well, uh, but it was against the Bears. Yeah, I know. What is your I think they're good? Vikings with Josh Dobbs. Vikings. <laughs> <laughs> with with Kirk Cousins, they're not. With Josh Dobbs. Wow. So you think Josh Dobbs is better than Kirk Cousins? Yes. Wow. <laughs> dude, Josh Dobbs is actually like low key good. Every time I watch him, I'm like, dude, <laughs> these guys like they're good. Uh the Browns defense
3: is good. That's more I know they're good. I don't think they're good. I know they're good. But the Browns offense is bad. So the Browns as a total neutral. So I don't think they're good. Okay. I think the Browns defense is good. Okay.
0: I mean with the Chargers, I actually think the Chargers are kind of good. Mm, they're not going to make the playoffs. Maybe, maybe not. You know, you know what I this is this
3: is not going to happen. A lot of good teams in the NFC. Chargers this would
0: 100% is, be a playoff team in the NFC. I feel good about saying that.
3: Yeah, this is not going to happen because of the Dolphins and the Bills, but I honestly was like how funny would it be if it was the playoffs was all four AFC North teams were in. Also, the three wildcard spots were all three of them. It's what thinking. it is right now. It's not going to be, though. If the season ended today. I don't think it's going to be, though, because the Bills and the Dolphins are both going to be in, I would assume.
0: You would think, but the Bills are fading a bit. What if the Bills continue to fade? Did you know yeah. the Buffalo Bills have the hardest remaining schedule in the NFL? Mm. And they're 5-4, and four, which is not Dude, great. Dude, my Josh Allen everyone a Super Bowl
3: take continues to age so mm. well. He's never going to win a Super Bowl,
0: ever. Here's the uh, Bill's upcoming schedule. I feel so confident
3: in that. Here's I mean, the Bill's I would lay schedule. my life on the line with that take.
0: I, I don't know that I would, anyway. Uh, versus Denver. <laughs> versus the Jets. So okay, those are two, two they could win, you know. That doesn't sound like a very hard schedule to me. Well, just wait. At Philadelphia. L. At Kansas City. L. Well, they'll beat the Chiefs. That's <laughs> just their Super Bowl every year. Uh, versus Dallas. L. Well, maybe. At the Chargers? That could be a playoff game. Yeah. That could, winner of that makes the playoffs. Yeah, maybe. Versus the Patriots win and then at Miami. Mm. I don't know. I just I, I think they'll be in the playoffs. I would think so. But look, if you lose to the Eagles but on the for road. For the vibes, I want all four AFC North teams. Okay, if between at Philadelphia, at Kansas City, versus Dallas, and at Miami, if you go one and three there, that would it's give bad. them seven losses. Yeah. So they probably couldn't lose another They're game. They're going to beat the Chiefs. You're just convinced of that Yes They, okay. they will beat the Chiefs um, You can mark that one down But yeah man I, I look at the Chargers Look at their losses now By two points to Miami Three points to Tennessee Three points to Dallas Fourteen to Kansas City Three of those four teams Are really good And the one to Tennessee Was a coin flip loss So whatever Yeah Alright uh, Who's your I think they suck Dude Clayton Toon Is terrible Can you commit Clayton Toon
3: Terrible David well, that, that makes sense Because he sucks He's horrible. <laughs> that Dude is so bad. Brother, he had 68
0: yards. He got sacked a hundred thousand times. 62 passing yards, zero touchdowns, two interceptions. He had a 1.3 QBR, which is one of the lowest ever. By the way, I mean, did that you dude know who bad. has the record for the lowest QBR ever in a game? Mm. I mean, this stat only goes back like 10-15 years, but is it a Chiefs quarterback? No. Okay. It's Peyton Manning. Ah. So Peyton Manning is great as he was, he has the <laughs> lowest QBR game ever because it was when it was his last season. Well, he didn't have a neck. That that certainly would help. My think they suck is the Saints. You think the Saints suck? I do. Now the Saints might actually end up making the playoffs, but that's more of a product <laughs> of the NFC South being just bad. What are the Saints sitting at? Is it four and four, four they're and five? Four and five, I believe. And they're five and four. Oh, they're five and four. So winning record, winning the division, I still think they suck. Here, here's who they've beaten this year. Titans by a point, at the Panthers by three, at the Patriots, at the Colts, and versus the Bears now. Wow. That Those are a not fraudulent good fraudulent five wins. That's a fraudulent five wins. On that top of that, five they only beat the Bears by seven. They were plus five in turnovers <laughs> against Chicago, and they only won by seven? <laughs> here's a take. Give me Josh Dobbs mm-hmm. over Derek Carr. Good take. Okay. You great, like that? Great take. Okay. Uh, what is your top three, bottom three? Top three is Chiefs, Chiefs, and Chiefs. <laughs> bottom three is... Oh,
3: God. Bears. How teams developing? Bears. Panthers. Well, no. Bears, Giants,
0: Panthers. Okay. Bears, Giants, Panthers. So, I'm going to go Baltimore number one. I mean, they're okay. blasting good teams. They are. Okay, but let me, let me ask you this. Best
3: defense in the NFL. Do the do the Baltimore Ravens scare you in the playoffs? Yes. My answer is no. I don't think they don't scare me in the playoffs. They they, do would, to they me. scare me in the regular season. They scare me right now. They have today, the best defense in the NFL right now. But I don't I'm not scared of them in the playoffs.
0: Is it just that Lamar has underperformed in the yeah, playoffs I, I, thing? Yeah, it's
3: just a it's just I don't think that I am more scared of the Bengals in the playoffs than I am in the, of the Ravens.
0: No, Ravens I think are really good. I mean, think they really, no, they're really good. They should have beat the Bengals They are very very in the first good in the playoffs last yes. year.
3: They it are very Lamar Jackson. Very, very good. Extremely good. Probably the best team in the league right now, besides the Chiefs. <laughs> well, besides the Chiefs three times. <laughs> uh,
0: but I don't know. I just something about them, man. Okay. Something about them does not scare me right now. So I'll go Baltimore 1, Philly 2, Kansas City 3. My okay. bottom three, I'll go Chicago 30, Carolina 31. Dude, I don't know. Dude. The Panthers are They're really bad. bad. I don't Oh, Wait a second. They no, no, hold on. Texans, hold man. on. Hold on. I forgot about the, the Cardinals.
3: The Cardinals are 31. Here's why I didn't put no, no, the Cardinals. No, no, no. Hang run. on. I want to redo mine. Oh, well, I'm not going to. I'm redoing mine. Okay. I'm redoing mine to it's also the Patriots Cardinals. are bad.
0: Oh, geez.
3: Okay. I'm redoing mine to
0: Giants, Cardinals, Panthers. Okay. So Giants are 30, Panther, or Cardinals 31, Panthers 32. I'm going Chicago 30, Carolina 31, New York Giants with Tommy DeFito at quarterback are 32. When he is their quarterback, they're the worst team in the NFL. (laughs) Now, if it's Daniel Jones, they move up a couple spots. If it's Teron Taylor, they move up like 10 spots. Yeah, yeah. Well, Here's the reason I don't have Arizona in the bottom three anymore. Kyler Murray's back this week. I don't think with Kyler Murray they're going to be As of right
3: now, with Kyler Murray having not played a game yet, they're in the bottom three.
0: All right, that's our NFL Week 9 recap. 100%. I mean, those boys are bad. They are bad. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Shock Sports Talk on KLWN. Kevin Flaherty joins the show in about 20 minutes from right now. Coming up next, we're going to get to some uh, post-game audio and a little Johnny Furphy nickname talk on KLWN. Depend on it. (laughs) About half past four, you're listening to Rock Shock Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to be joined by Kevin Flaherty in about 15 minutes from right now. So, uh, we'll get to some post-game audio with Hunter Dickinson and Nick Timberlake in a moment here. Before we do that, we had a conversation yesterday. We were talking about what what should Johnny Furphy's nickname be? And yeah. what we, we kind of came up to was Surf and Furphy, like Surf and Turf. We have but, since off-air yeah. amended that. Surf and Turf. There's surf and furf or there's furf and turf. No, furf and turf way better. I like furf and turf better. Yeah, me too. So furf and turf, I think among those three is the best. Okay. That said, at the time, it was surf and furfy. Uh, nonetheless, <laughs> this was seen by the voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney. We're going to have Brian uh, on the show on Thursday. We will pitch him because we had a bunch of people submit things on social media. Yeah. We had a couple other submissions. The response has been great, yeah. It has been great. Um, And so... We're going to actually pitch idea, to Brian. Yeah, if you
3: have an idea, feel free to hit us up. Yeah. As well. On
0: on Thursday, like, we're, me and Nick are each going to pick our three favorites, and we're going to pitch to him, you know, which one he likes the best. And then maybe we'll have him pick the, the top two, and then we'll put it up for a poll or something. I don't know. Okay. Um, so, anyway, this was actually discussed on the broadcast yesterday, which you could have heard as part of the Jayhawk Radio Network, as part of any of the syndicates, including right here with KLWN or our sister station, 1059KISS.
1: Our local affiliate here in Lawrence, KLWN, was workshopping some nicknames for the Australian freshman earlier today. Both free throws good for McCuller. And the early leader in the clubhouse is Surf and Furphy as opposed to Surf and Turf. That's from KLWN's Rock Chalk Sports Talk. They're still working on it. Yeah, they need to keep working. I don't, I don't think that one's going to stick.
0: <laughs> okay, so Greg Gurley, wow. not a fan. Greg Gurley immediately shoots it down, which is wow. fair. It's a working process. you know. We're, we're there for constructive criticism. We throw things yeah. And hope a couple of them stick to yeah, the list,
3: right? Listen, this the, the studio is our laboratory. Okay? Yes. Yeah. And we
0: sometimes, you got to give it some time. <laughs> That's right. Uh, now, I, I do think Furf and Turf is the better version of that. But here's some of the other ones that we've had submitted to us, okay? Do you want to just give your quick, uh, I don't know, one to five star rating? Sure. Okay. Uh, furf and Turf. Furf and Turf. Oh, I, I like Furf and Turf. Okay. I'll say four out of 5 Perfect.
3: Like, perfect. Mm, I Okay. I read this as furf effect.
0: Like effect. Effect. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna go with two and a half out of five. Uh, what about what my wife calls him? Furby.
3: <laughs> I'm actually down for Furby. You're down for Furby. Furby okay. four.
0: Furby four. <laughs> four out of five. Uh Furf dog.
3: I don't know. It's just I don't. I'm not really getting a whole lot from that. I'll go like 1.5 out of five. Okay,
0: this one might be my favorite. This was submitted by uh, Steve Kincaid, who's the engineer for the uh, Jayhawk Radio Network. Crocodile Furfee, like Crocodile Dundee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it's great. Uh, And it's Australian. Yeah, yeah. That might be my favorite. I'll go four
3: out of five on that one. Okay, four out of five.
0: We haven't had a five yet. The furf.
3: I just feel like there's more creative options available than the FERF. So I don't hate the FERF on its own, but I think when you look at some of the other options available that knocks it down a peg. I'll go two out of five. Ferf three.
0: Mm. He has to be able to shoot threes at a high clip to yeah. hit this one. Yeah, this
3: one this one I think I could I could circle back around on this one. I'll go. Two
0: out of five, this but I This is one got that potential. I like the idea of it, yeah. but it almost sounds like you're just saying four-three when you say yeah. first three, yeah. and I wonder uh, if that drowns it's it out a it got potential, but yeah, eh. Johnny Dangerously. <laughs> <laughs> is this supposed uh, to be a play on something? I don't know. I don't, I don't, know, I don't know either. On there's Johnny Bravo. There's, something there's like probably that. something. I don't know. I don't know. I'll okay. say three out of five. Uh Swag when I furf. That's a good one. Swag when I That's serve. A good one. I'll go first. four out of five on okay. that one. That's a good one. Johnny basketball? Like Johnny football? Uh, the, okay. I like the idea, and I like where
3: it's coming mm-hmm. from. But the problem is Johnny football just rolls off the tongue so good. Yeah. And Johnny basketball, just it doesn't roll the same way. It doesn't okay. have the same effect. So I'll go two out of five. All right, but rapid, I,
0: rapid I like that one. Rapid fire on these last ones. Uh, Furfs up. Four out of five. Outback kid. Oh, five out of five. Okay. Wow. Uh, Furfinator. <laughs> I'm, I like Furfinator, four and a half okay. out of five. Vegemite Dynamite. <laughs> okay. This <laughs> one, five out of five
3: also. I like Vegemite Dynamite a lot.
0: Murphy's Law, like Murphy's Law.
3: I think this one is extremely creative. Mm-hmm.
0: It makes sense. Five out of five. Okay. And uh, Kansas Kangaroo.
3: Yeah, okay. I think, can- I think the kangaroo, in theory, it's like, oh, Australia, you know, it's
0: cool, but
3: I don't know. It's almost like too cliche for me. I, I don't know. I'll say... Three, three out of five.
0: Okay. All right, well, uh, we'll talk more about that with Brian Haney. Here is uh, Hunter Dickinson and Nick Timberlake speaking with the media after KU's win over North Carolina Central on uh, last night.
1: How good is this team when you guys are hitting shots? Yeah, um, you know, I think a lot of people might have overreacted with the first two games. Um, you know, we got a lot of talented players on this team, uh, especially, like, from shooting 3 guys We've got, got guys like Nick, um, Kevin, Kevin. Uh, Juan, even Parker. We got guys that can hit a lot of uh, deep shots. And so I don't think, I mean, we we made a lot, but I don't think a lot of guys are surprised. I think, you know, with the amount of work that these guys put in, um, in the gym, outside of practice and stuff that a lot of people don't see, um, you know, I'm not surprised that Nick goes out there and hits a lot of shots, Johnny, you know, I've been seeing the work that they put in. And so I'm not, I'm not really surprised that, you know, how, how well they shot it tonight.
2: How much did you enjoy uh, that start that you had there?
1: Oh, yeah, you no, know, it was fun. Um, I was telling somebody, you know, like, when it, uh, I'm used to, you know, the opposing fans being, being this loud and, and, and more boos than, than cheers. And so it was real fun for me to have people on my side for once. Um, and, you know, I, the atmosphere was insane. Um, I've been here about it, you know, in my recruiting. And then when I committed here and then ever since I've been here, you know, I've heard, so much about Fieldhouse and, and the fans and everything and it lived up to it tonight it was just a great experience and a great atmosphere and i think it definitely helped us out there today yeah, and I
3: saw when you went out for the first time sat next to doc
2: sadler he said something to you and made you laugh do
1: you remember what he said or or no i mean doc, doc's real old and so he's got a lot of funny <laughs> things that's that he's accumulated over the years and so he, he hits me with a lot of one-liners
3: I was just going to say, Nick, just what was your impression of, of the defense tonight as opposed to in the exhibition games?
2: Oh, I mean, coach has been on us uh, just pretty much every practice, uh, just getting uh, the defense right. And uh, we came out tonight storming. So defense starts the offense. And then the offense was running. And the defense was amazing tonight. So we just got to keep it up. Hey, for both of you guys, you sh- I shared the ball so much tonight. Um, and,
5: and I think at halftime, Hunter, you had five or four, Kevin has five, DeJuan had six. What what does it say about this team when, you know, three best scoring options, three best players, whatever you want to call it, have that kind of stat line at at the half and then obviously 33 assists on 39 field goals tonight?
1: Yeah, um, I think at one point we had 19 field goals off 18 assists, and um, I think that just speaks to how unselfish we are as a team. You know, guys really like each other, guys like playing with each other out there, and I think today that was a great... um, you know explanation for that um you know it's just fun when you're out there sharing the ball with everybody because it just makes it so easy for guys guys don't have to force stuff um it's the game is just you know guys are letting the game come to them and i think that just you know opens it up for us um especially with the kind of offense that we run it's real real free for free flowing i think you know guys just making hard drives making hard cuts freeing each other freeing stuff up for each other um i think that you know Goes to show you why we made so many shots because I think we took a lot of good ones off, you know, people being really unselfish.
2: Just going off of that, I mean, Wando doesn't even take a shot tonight. He has 10 assists. So he's a difference maker, even if he's not even attempting a shot. I mean, that's probably 20 plus points just from him alone. So, I mean, I'm very grateful getting to play with him for this year.
5: Hunter, I also wanted to ask you about playing with Parker. Um, Obviously, you play with KJ to start the game, but. Is it the same when Parker's out there and you two are playing together? Is that a little different, or what's that dynamic?
1: Um, yeah, because, I mean, you know, KJ is definitely an athletic freak for sure. I, I think everybody knows that. But Parker, I mean, he's, he's a uh, – when, when Coach Self said that he was more athletic than Christian Braun, even I thought, you know, he was over it. But, I mean, he might be right. Parker is super athletic, um, just a great teammate, super, super unselfish. And so he's a guy that you really want to play with. Um, I think that's what makes you know our team so special is because you got so many guys out there that are really unselfish and just trying to make the right play. And he's you know a great example of that. And so he's definitely um, you know a great teammate to have and somebody that is really fun out there to play with.
4: Hey Nick,
2: what's it like to have someone like Hunter on your team? Oh, he makes the game so much easier. I mean, he's getting all the attention, so it just opens up the floor for everyone else. Um, yeah, I mean just. Give the ball to him down low, and he's going to make a play, either a pass or easy layup dunk. So, I mean, it's, it's amazing seeing him do what he does. And he's living up to the hype, I think, this year.
4: Nick,
1: I I know you talked about your journey from Towson, never playing in the NCAA tournament, and now you're on a team ranked number one preseason. I think I looked up and saw your dad, maybe your mom and your dad tonight. What's this moment, first game of the season, but what's this moment Mm -hmm. like for you, especially having them here to to see it?
2: Yeah, no, it's crazy. Uh, My uncle's here too, so it's just even better just having them in the field. house, first game, my first game, so it's been great. And then I was telling uh, Coach Dooley on the bench that, it's much better being on this side than it is being uh, on the losing side. I've been on the losing side a lot of these games before, just when we play high major teams at Towson. But, I mean, the winning's a lot of fun.
3: Nick, I know uh, you hit two three-pointers coming off the bench early, been nice barrage there. After struggling in the last two exhibition games, how did that feel, and how different was it, like, your role here compared to what you were doing at Towson?
2: Yeah, I mean, just seeing the first one go through, uh, my confidence just went a lot higher than it's been in the past. But uh, I mean, just getting in the gym every day, getting shots, uh, whether it's before or after practice. And then my role at Towson was I was sort of the man the whole time with one of my other teammates. But um, now here, I'm just spacing the floor, scoring when I can, passing when I can. And then the biggest thing Coach Self's been on me for is just just uh, playing defense too. What
3: did you kind of find out uh, that- <laughs> Is it going to be
2: switching traffic games? game? Uh, I mean, I found out today. I, um, I walked through, but, I mean, I don't really. I played today, so it is what it is. All right, that
0: was Nick Timberlake speaking with the media along with Hunter Dickinson after the game. We're going to talk more about it with Kevin Flaherty coming up next from 24-7 Sports. You're listening to RCST. This is KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into RCST with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson on KLWN. We're joined now by Kevin Flaherty of 24/7 Sports to talk a little uh, KU and Big 12. We'll finish up with his local prospect of the week. So KU wins on the football field Saturday, 28 to 21 against Iowa State up in Ames. Kevin, what to you was the most impressive part about that win for KU going on the road and and moving to seven and two?
4: You know, I, I thought there were a couple things that, that Kansas needed to do to, to win that game, and one of them was the defense really needed to, to control the game and get out and play one of its best games of the year. And the other part was I didn't know that if Jason Bean had to be, you know, just an absolute playmaker, but I thought he had to do something that he hadn't really done up to that point, point is, and that's not put the football at risk. When you look at that Iowa State defense and kind of the way that that they can turn, you know, defensive plays into offensive production with how much they struggle on offense, I felt like it was such a huge key, you know, for for Jason Bean to to not have the throws hit defenders in the hands and whatever else, much less turn it over. And I'll be honest with you, as great as the defense was and it was terrific, I thought that was Jason Bean's best game as a Jayhawk, and I thought. You know, a lot of us, I think, we're very interested to see. Hey, what's what's Jason Bean going to do now after you know effectively making the game-winning play against Oklahoma on that fourth-down play? You know, is this the sort of thing that that kind of propels him to another level, builds confidence, etc.? And you know, the the first go-round, I, I thought was was really impressive because he's had. Halves where he's been, you know, maybe more of a a playmaker, if you will. Obviously, he's had games where he's run the ball more, but over the course of sixty minutes and taking care of the ball, making clutch throw after clutch throw, I really did think that was Jason Bean's best game of his career.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I thought the other one that you could throw up there was the Oklahoma State game from last year. I mean, the efficiency was really good in that <laughs> game and, and everything, but uh, I. I they couldn't yeah, you add in I guess the field conditions, the defense, some of the tight throws, I, I'm totally cool with with that being kind of the one there. Um so now moving forward, Jason Bean, we get him against Texas Tech. Last year he was really good in Lubbock. The year before in 2021, he had one of his worst games against Texas Tech. How does KU overall though besides Jason Bean, how do you see them matching up with Texas Tech on Saturday?
4: Yeah, you know, Texas Tech, I think, is more physical than they have been, you know, under previous coaches. I think that's something that, that you notice. They, you know, especially since the injury to, to Tyler Shuck, they, they want to line up and, and run the ball on you, which hasn't really been something that, that you could say about a whole lot of Texas Tech teams. And I think, you know, they've got some NFL guys on their front, but I also think that. When you when you look at their alignments, when you look at the way Kansas is able to out leverage people with motion and things like that, I think this is a game again where Kansas is going to be able to run the ball, and so you know that that changes Jason Bean's role a, a little bit. I mean, it, it makes it to where you're not sitting there saying, "Hey, the running game isn't going to account for much." You you have to go out and win this game, and, and so I, I think it's going to be interesting. To see how the defense carries over, you know, making the plays that it did down the stretch against Oklahoma, playing the way that it did against Iowa State. Even though I thought Rocco Back was, I thought Rocco Back played really, really well uh, for a for a game that the Kansas defense played so well. And the other thing here is is can Kansas get those defensive tackles? sort of back healthy and get that full group because Texas Tech is a team that's going to want to hit you with some tempo. And as much as as maybe it didn't hurt Kansas against Iowa State because Iowa State wasn't typically going to to run up to the line and and put those guys into a lot of plays, I I think that's something that could be sort of an underrated X factor to watch for this week.
3: Yeah, I mean, look at the Kansas defense coming off of one of the better performances of the season on the road specifically – Going back home to play Texas Tech, I guess with the way they with the way they stopped the run against Iowa State, do you think they can replicate that against Texas Tech, or how do you think they might be able to slow down the the run eight rushing attack of Texas Tech?
4: Yeah, I, I think they absolutely can. I, I think Texas Tech's better up front than Iowa State is, and so I, I think it's going to require you know more effort and, and everything else. And I, I think that you know you're going to have to be really consistent about. You know, getting to your to your gaps, having good eye control, all, all of those different things. I think Baron Morton is probably playing a little bit better quarterback than than what certainly what Texas Tech had when when the true freshman was was out there after you know the injury to Morton. But also, I think he he's quite frankly playing better than than Shuck was before shot got injured and so when you when you look at the fact that you know you're going to have to account for that passing attack a little bit more than maybe what Kansas did last week it's going to be a little bit more difficult but i do think that this is a group that that this Kansas defense can slow down get a few stops and if they can maybe they can they can really put Texas Tech behind the eight ball you know Kansas has been significantly better away from or significantly better at home I should say with the exception of last week and so i do think that this is a game where if Kansas plays this thing right comes out, the scripted plays are, are good, and they have the impact that they can get from those. This is a game where maybe Kansas gets a stop, goes up a couple scores, and and kind of imposes its will on Texas Tech early and, and makes uh, makes for, uh, I guess, a, a sort of a rough spot for Texas Tech to try and come back from.
0: Over to some KU basketball. Um, last night was, I don't know, about as perfect as you can get playing a lesser opponent, season opener for KU. But what to you from a long-term perspective was maybe your biggest takeaway or or the biggest positive of of something that KU did well last night?
4: Yeah, if Kansas hits threes like that, I mean, we should just hang the banner. You (laughs) know, I mean, I think think that was was kind of the fun thing. But, you know, it's funny how many times have we – Heard the halftime talk with Bill Self as he's going off court and James beating somebody by 20. And and Bill Self says, well, we, we made shots, but you know we aren't guarding anybody or we're not doing this, but you look good when you make shots, et cetera. Self didn't say that last night. I, I thought that that was one of the things that that was maybe most impressive about yesterday's effort, especially in that first half, was – it wasn't the sort of thing where it was like, okay, Kansas is just up because it hit everything. Yes, Kansas hit everything, but the ball movement was there. The cutting was outstanding. The passing was really good. And then defensively, that was about as locked in and about as good an effort as we've seen them show. And so when you added all that together, it, you know, represented what wound up happening. But I also think, you know, you look at that that conference and everything, I'm not sure NC Central is as bad as Kansas made it look last night. You know, this is a team picked to finish third in the MIAC. You know, this is a team that, depending on what happens in its conference tournament, you know, they're going to be right there, potentially, to go to the NCAA tournament. You know, obviously, as a, as a lower seed, potentially a 16 or something like that, but even so, I, I thought Kansas came out and, and really sort of gave a a full-fledged effort and we've talked about it on the show and we might have even talked about it last week, but I really think the defensive part is going to be the big part because Kansas isn't going to shoot like that, you know, maybe ever again this entire season, but you know, the shooting will probably come and go a little bit. There'll be times when they will make shots and look pretty good like that. But I think the whole thing stems from the defense and being able to get stops That leads to you know, to run out opportunities and things like that and not having to score against set half court defenses. And I really do think that the defensive part is maybe the main takeaway from from last night because that's that's what they're gonna need to be if they're going to be a national championship team this year.
0: A week from tonight, Kansas is going to be playing Kentucky in the Champions Classic. I don't know if we'll have a chance to talk to you next Tuesday. So uh, just in case, how do you think Kansas and Kentucky kind of match up? Because as impressive as Kansas was last night, Kentucky came into a game against a New Mexico State program that, I don't know, typically has been really good from the mid-major level, though, you know, Chris Jans is is no longer there. And uh, a game that I I think was like a 14-point spread, and they ended up winning by 40. So how do you kind of see Kansas and
4: Kentucky matching up a week uh, away? Yeah, and Kentucky was kind of clanking stuff early, and New Mexico State kind of hung around, and then all of a sudden it was, you know, poof, and Kentucky was was out, you know, out the gate. And so I think that when you look at that Kentucky team, one of the things that's going to get a lot of discussion is the fact that Kentucky has, you know, Three seven foot type guys, none of whom look like they're going to play against Kansas, and so they're going to be a smaller group. You know, is Trey Mitchell going to want to body up against Hunter Dickinson? You know, it, that's that's a, a pretty fair question. On uh, the flip side of it is, is Trey Mitchell, as we know, is a, a guy that can step out and make the occasional outside shot. Does he wind up providing? problems for Kansas at the other end because Kansas doesn't want to have Hunter Dickinson chasing him around the three-point arc, at least in an ideal world. I think the biggest thing is just going to be, you know, Kansas is older. You know, this is a team that, like I said, has really good defensive potential. If Kansas is going to win that game, I think they really need to kind of put a lid on the rim for Kentucky. And And maybe it's an ugly game. Maybe it's, you know... Maybe it's one of those you know sixty-one to fifty-three type things, but I, I really do think that that's that's the way that Kansas is going to beat Kentucky. it's going to be more of an ugly game, unless for whatever reason you know all of Kansas's shots are falling again.
0: Moving to uh, around the Big Twelve here. Last week I asked you if, if you had to, you know, I I don't know if you stick with your Big Twelve title pick from before the season of Texas Oklahoma. Would you stick with it? You said yes. Would you still pick the same now if I gave you a mulligan after OU loses to Oklahoma State, or, or would you be changing it up?
4: No, no, I, I think Oklahoma, you know, for for better or worse, is it, probably out of this thing. It, it's you know, it, it's interesting in that it, if Kansas wins out and Texas loses, uh, my understanding is is that Kansas would be in. With three, you know, with three seven and two teams there, Kansas would get the nod over Oklahoma and Texas, you know, with them all having sort of beaten each other. And so, with that in mind, you know, it's it's a lot tougher road I think for Oklahoma to get in. Um, Oklahoma State, I think, you know, has such such a manageable schedule. I, I don't know that Texas is going to lose anyway. You know, and so I thought Texas's toughest game remaining was was the one against Kansas State, and Texas, you know, kind of felt like they dominated that game for a while, and then made some mistakes that, that let Kansas State into it. But ultimately, they pulled out the win, and so I, I'm not sure that Oklahoma, you know, gets to that point anymore. I think the better bet would probably be Oklahoma State and Texas, although. If for whatever reason Texas does slip up, as we've seen the Longhorns do in the past, you know there there are some teams that could replace the Longhorns in that game.
0: If if the league was because Ollie Gordon just continues to impress me, and I don't know what Oklahoma State's record would be if if he was like the the bell cow, kind of like what he is now in the first three games. It's, it's hard to say he makes up twenty six points against South Alabama, but I don't know. Maybe maybe he's more rolling for the Iowa State game, and maybe they beat the Cyclones, and maybe they have one loss. I I, I don't know. But I, I guess to say this, like if if the Big 12 was having a draft right now and all the teams, all their players got put into a draft pool and it was just for this one year, so forget, oh, well, this guy's a freshman, this guy just for this one year, although Ollie Gordon's only 19 years old, I think I saw, so that's pretty crazy. But if they were just drafting new players for this year to win, where does Ollie Gordon go in that draft? Like, is, is he the best player in the Big 12?
4: I, I think, you know, you're asking two different questions because. I think that where he goes in the draft would be significantly lower than asking just because he he's a running back in the Big Twelve. Because I, I do think he'd be the first running back. Yeah, and I, I do think that you know he, if you're asking right now, is he the best player in the Big Twelve? I, I think there's a real argument for that. If you're saying, hey, let's put everybody at the 50 and pick your team, you're looking around, you're seeing, okay, what what do people have that that others don't have? Maybe you're picking an NFL quarterback type guy like a Quinn Ewers, or maybe you're looking at that Texas defensive line and saying, There isn't anybody else in this conference that, that looks like Tavandre Sweat. I'll take that guy, please. Because the drop off between like an Ollie Gordon and, and, say, a Devin Neal or, you know, a Jonathan Brooks or somebody like that isn't as big. And so. I do think that there's a real argument for Ollie Gordon, you know, being the best player in the big 12 this season. And yet at the same time, I think if you drafted, you know, you would see something similar to an NFL draft where because of positional value, because of other things, I think Ollie Gordon would would probably slide down quite a bit.
0: Well, uh, here's my big 12 trade idea for the week, Which, which of these schools says no. So the, uh, Cincinnati athletic director, uh, picks up the phone, calls the Oklahoma State Athletic Director, and the Cincy AD says, hey, we've been eliminated from from bowl contention. We have have seven losses now. We can't make it to a bowl game. Uh, We're going to tank the rest of the football season. We're going to trade you Dante Corleone, our stud defensive lineman, and you're going to help us out in basketball. You give us one of either Javon Small or Bryce Thompson, which school says no.
4: Honestly, i I don't know if uh, I don't know if, if Javon Smaller or Bryce Thompson moves the needle enough for a Dante Corleone. But, but I, would actually, that that, I would actually say that I would actually I would actually say that at the same time, I, I think I, I think this is one of the more realistic trades you've given me, and that I, I think that uh, I, I definitely think that Oklahoma State, you know, looking at a Dante Corleone, would be like absolutely you know get, give us an all-conference nose tackle who you know i mean if you watch cincinnati play i mean that guy's all over the place and so you know get it bringing that guy in i think gives oklahoma state a tremendous chance to match up with like a texas in the trenches in the big 12 title game i, I also you know I, I get what you're saying in terms of hey cincinnati's out you know from a football standpoint But the flip side of that is, is just that I don't know how much, you know, I'll be honest with you, I would have been more likely to say yes, maybe, if you would have said, hey, Brandon Garrison from Oklahoma State, where it would have given them a, a really high upside big man with the big men that they have that are sitting there waiting for waivers that have been denied.
0: Okay, there we go. So that's maybe how to make it work. And you know, they give up three games of Corleone, four games, whatever it would be for Oklahoma State, and uh, they get a basketball player out of it. All right, what is your uh, local prospect of the week?
4: Yeah, I actually went down to uh, to Derby's this past week to to uh, go see Derby uh, beat up on Lawrence a little bit. <laughs> um, it was a uh, it, it was it was an interesting game, and Lawrence I thought was was really well coached they hung around for a little while and then you know derby just kind of kind of wore him out uh the guy that i wanted to talk about and there are there are a lot of guys at derby that you could talk about including a freshman who is going to be on this show you know one of these uh one of these weeks i started at 2027 but the guy i kind of wanted to bring up he's a 2024 cornerback named demarier Baker. And if you guys look at, at my Twitter feed, before every season, I, I tweet out a list of some kind of five sleepers that I think you know are worthy of more recruiting attention or should get more recruiting attention, and, and it's kind of worked out well for those guys and that they've gotten that attention a lot of the times. I'm not saying from my list, but I'm saying that for whatever reason, those two things is have intersected. Well, Baker is a six foot one corner who can run. And when I say can run, I mean, Derby's gotten him in the four fours and he was a guy that I think if he had had this summer, to go up to KU camp and K-State camp and Nebraska camp, Iowa State camp, wherever, I think he would have offers because he's a tall corner that can run, and he's a, a pretty fluid guy, but he blew out his ACL last year, and so he wasn't able to go through that summer camp circuit that's so important. Now he's back fully healthy. He looked really good against Lawrence you know, seeing him in person and I really watched to see him run around and everything to see how he did. And my understanding is that there are some big 12 teams that are starting to sniff around there and say, you know, Hey, either they've got an open spot or if they lose a cornerback, here's, here's a six foot one cornerback who's, who's still sitting there uncommitted. And so I, I think, uh, that would be uh, that would be great for for DeMarier because I think he is that caliber of player and so I'm interested to see what happens with him over the next few weeks and maybe even into late signing period if if somebody winds up having an opening there so yeah DeMariae Baker 2024 cornerback derby buy stock now
0: all right there we go Kevin always buying stock in you thank you for the time as always man all right, thanks a lot, guys. All right, this is Kevin Flaherty, 24-7 Sports, joining us here on RCST. Two hours down, one to go. we got our KU Heroes and Villains segment next. 5 o'clock hour, you're listening to Rock Shock Sports Talk on KLWN. We're going to get to some post-game audio with Bill Self coming up here shortly. We have our KU Heroes and Villains segment. We do this on a Tuesday, discuss the heroes and villains from the last KU football game. Uh, But KU basketball was last night, too, so we're going to mix in a little KU hoops in there with uh, some KU football. Let's start with the offense. Who is the hero for the KU football offense, and uh, then we'll get to the KU basketball offense. Mm,
3: I think the hero for the KU football offense, you got some good options, actually, this week. Jason Bean, obviously, we've been talking about him. Best game of his career, probably, so that would make sense. Real superhero there. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, you could also go with Lawrence Arnold for making a great catch on a long touchdown run. Keeps making big plays. You could go with Quentin Skinner for his Superman-like yep.
0: catch. Could you go with Jared Casey? Because Possibly. I mean, he he was doing stuff all game long, making some key blocks and stuff. But obviously, on the stat sheet, doesn't make the big play till the end on on the third down conversion. Isn't is that kind of like the hero who? Like, maybe there's a hero who's forgotten about and they're in the big fight scene at the end. And, and then all at the second, last second, you haven't like, seen the one other hero in, in like 20 minutes and you're like, well, where's that guy? And then all of a sudden, yeah, he comes in and, and makes the key moment, makes the key play. Yeah, maybe. But
3: it's not as flashy. So No, it's not. <clears throat> I'm going to go with uh, Jason Meade.
0: I think that's the right answer. I, will I mean, he was Superman. You. Did everything. Yeah, he, he was really good for KU. Yeah. Uh, what about KU basketball? <laughs> KU basketball. Everyone. How do you yeah. pick one offensive hero in a game where everyone was an offensive hero?
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, maybe Nick Timberlake just because he, you know, he, Nick Timberlake's like the hero that got beat up in the previous <laughs> scene, but then he comes back, and he's back, makes a big play, makes a big, you know, something.
0: Okay, what about Dewan Harris? Because heroes are supposed to be unselfish, right? Yeah. He was the most unselfish of them all. He sacrificed mm-hmm. so everybody else could have good games. He had zero shots and ten assists. Okay, so he was like that Spider Man
3: meme where he like, uses his strength to hold He's the train. He's like holding train the car. train. Yeah. 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 That's that train
0: long. is Hunter Dickinson scoring 20, <laughs> Kevin McCullough scoring 20. I don't know. KJ scoring 12, whatever it was.
3: Okay. I don't hate that. Yeah. I don't hate that. That's I'm going to go with Dick Timberlake, though. He got beat up in the, in the before, came back, persevered. He's the hero. Uh,
0: KU defensive hero.
3: Mm, well, I think you could go with Melo Dotson for the pick six. But he was also out for the majority of the game again. Right. Injury. Uh then you look at a guy like Austin Booker, maybe, had a good game.
0: I think Rich Miller uh Yeah, he had he had team high eight tackles. Quentin hey, Lasseter had eight tackles, by the way. Yeah, but uh, uh Miller had Quentin, and he also had a sack.
3: Quentin Lasseter's stats are a little bit of fool's gold because he was kind of getting burned and they were throwing at him a lot. And so that's why he got a lot of tackles.
0: Craig Young had four tackles, two tackles for loss, Craig half Young a sack, and a pass deflection on the one that was thrown to the yeah. end zone. Craig Young was really good. Yeah, he made that great play in the end zone.
3: Yeah, maybe, mm, you kind of talked me into Craig Young. Give me some Craig action. I don't think that. I picked Craig Young yet.
0: I am still going to go with Melo Dotson. Even though, it, like you said, he got hurt and he didn't play the full game. I mean, yeah. He had a pick six, he won by seven. Yeah. That's enough for me. Fair. I will say Kobe Bryant again. Like, yeah. he was targeted one time, gave up zero yards. Kipton used to be really good, so that deserves some credit there too. Uh What about for KU defense? Is this mm, even applicable in many, this
3: game? How many steals do, did Dewan Harris have?
0: Well, KU actually had a lot less steals than you might think. Yeah, they had. Would you like to take a guess? Well, I, I mean, I I've guess already they only had probably like four or five. Yeah, it was only four. Yeah, which I I would have thought it would have been way more than that. Uh Nobody had more than one steal. Furphy had one. Mm. Dickinson had one. Adams had one, and Harris had one, and then in terms of the blocks, they had three: one from Brown, two from Hunter Dickinson. So that means only one player had a steal and a block. Hunter Dickinson, and he also led the team with two blocks.
3: I guess maybe we give it to him by default.
0: hero. I I just don't know who you really give it to. I mean, you, you yeah, were there wasn't really them, right?
3: Any, yeah, and obviously there wasn't really any moment where it was like you need to stop here, and somebody made it. You know, you know what a key I mean? Play. Yeah, you know. I mean, I can only think of one time where. Everybody dove on the floor. Do you, do you remember it? it was? And McCuller dove on the floor and, and threw it. that's the only time I can even remember anybody making any real mm-hmm. like interesting defensive play.
0: And this wasn't a game either where they were because of their personnel able to like they had a stretch five where they could exploit a little bit of that. They didn't have that, so I think yeah. Hunter Dickinson. I'm fine with him being <laughs> defensive hero here. Okay, you want to give it? You want to give it to the crowd? The crowd for, for getting for loud, getting in North Carolina <laughs> Central's head. Yeah, making it harder on them. Sure, why not? <laughs> Uh, special teams. This obviously will only apply, I guess, to KU football. Who's mm-hmm. the hero?
3: Well, it can't be the kicking. So no. I guess that leaves you with
0: Seth Keller and Owen Peeples Curtis N- both zero for one on field goals, both two for two on PATs. Damon Greaves. It feels by the way, weird. Can we though? take
3: one of the furfy uh, nicknames and give us a Damon Greaves? Because he's Australian too. Oh, he needs a, he needs a nickname. You know? Can he? Yeah, can, but it has can, to be one that doesn't can have the Damon name Furfy. Damon Greaves in it? be the Kansas kangaroo? He could, but it makes more sense for Furphy because kangaroo jumps.
0: implies jumping.
3: <laughs> I don't know, dude. Have you seen some of those can- videos online? Of kangaroos kangaroo? drop
0: kicking people. I mean, they you know kangaroos are kangaroos feisty. will go after you. They're feisty. Yeah, but it, see, it's weird for me because Damon Greaves averaged thirty eight point seven yards per punt with a long of thirty nine. But again, no returns. I know that's clearly
3: what he's focusing on.
0: I guess I don't know even who else I would
3: pick. Was there anybody that made a big tackle on kickoff? I mean, no, you give up the, the long, long return. kick
0: return. He just stepped out of bounds. <laughs> Well, he did get tackled, and actually. He didn't have any punt return. He actually did get tackled, but then they said he stepped out of bounds. Sure, but he would have been at like the one-yard line. <laughs> <laughs> I think you just have to, by default, give it... Uh, Luke Grimm had a punt return for 13 yards. Mm, no, Damon Greaves. No? I mean, 13-yard punt return, that's pretty good. I'm, I'm sticking with my Damon Greaves. I'll go with Luke Damon. Grimm. I'll go with Luke Grimm. Vegemite, dynamite. Vegemite, dynamite. That Damon one could work, but we don't know if he likes it. We know Johnny Furphy does, uh, so we need to get back in the lab on well, that with And Damon the problem
3: Grieves. is... We probably won't get stuck in green using the rest of the season. No, I doubt that. We had our one shot time. at him,
0: you know, in the during media day. Mm, we blew it. Wow. Who are the villains? Let's start with the KU Football Iowa State game.
3: Oh man, I think there's a pretty obvious villain here. The field. The grass. It's a good I one. I mean, what are we doing? Employ a grounds crew. Cut your grass.
0: You know? My dad does a better job of keeping taking care of his lawn. So many plays. If you rewatch the game, like it's you remember a couple of them, but yeah. I I was There's appalled even more. in rewatching even more. him how many there were. There was multiple of Jason Bean running yeah. where,
3: it, where he like he gets tackled, but it was because he was starting to slip that he gets tackled. There was multiple times. There was one play where he ran like a sweet play, and it looked like he was going to get the edge, and then he's as he
0: was slipping he got tackled. So it looked like they just tackled him, but really with his speed he probably would have gotten around it. Yeah, no way to kind of slow down and cut, which, yeah. which made it difficult there. So, yeah, that's a good villain. What about just the Iowa State fans in general? I mean, they're so they're good so at annoying. booing things, right? Yeah, they are annoying. I mean, they're just
3: really annoying. <laughs> and what are they for what? Just to go back to their farms? And farm? I mean, what, are we, what are we doing? Put on your stupid red and yellow overalls. Oh, by the way, and your team wears black. You I can think, make that the villain. The uniforms. I, I think I've they done They wore like,
0: black uniforms when they, they don't even have black as their color. I think I've done this bit before, but um, do you think Iowa State fans like boo everything? Because like clearly they are they are the kings of booing, <laughs> kings and queens of booing. Do you think everywhere they go they boost? Like they go to a restaurant, they go to McDonald's and they forget they, to put a pickle on their and burger, they boo. and they just instead of being like, "Hey, you messed up the order," they just go up to the cashier and there's boo, boo, boo. Yeah, They're like at a movie. They don't like the end of the movie. They just start yelling "boo." That's a
3: little aggressive of you to think that uh, they have a McDonald's in Ames. (laughs) Stop. (laughs) Dude,
0: that place Uh, stinks. That place stinks. Hickory Park Barbecue, baby. No, it stinks. No, I I just envision that's what I was
3: thinking. Ames is bottom two college
0: town in the Big 12. That's how they vocalize. You know, instead of it being like passive aggressive or being just aggressive aggressive, they just boo things. (laughs) That's just what they do. Isn't that aggressive aggressive, though? I guess. I don't think they're like physically doing anything. They're just booing things, though. Okay. Um, so yeah, that would be up there. Does Rocco Becked for? I mean, he was at one Dude, point ten of ten in the second half. This after, is so like, hard for me to take half. a guy
3: named Rocco seriously as a villain. Mm-hmm. Like, like think about it. Think about think about this. You're watching a Marvel movie, and there's like this dramatic mm-hmm. villain entrance. Doctor Rocco, and he's like, <laughs> Rocco. You're just going to start laughing. That's not a serious villain. Okay. You can't can't, take that seriously.
0: We can't pick him. That's fine. I'm sticking with my original one. I'm sticking with the grass. Or the 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 Iowa State grounds crew. How about that? All right. I'll go with the fans. Iowa Uh, State grounds crew. Is there anyone we can pick from basketball? Probably not. No. Because, okay, just we had a discussion with with Rocco. You
3: can't have a villain named Poe Boy. That dude's not a villain. Dude, such a good name.
0: That's not a villain. He was like their best player last night, too. I, but, you can't take, but again, he's not a villain. That's no, not, his a, name's that's not Boy. a villain. You can't take that seriously. Yeah, I mean, there's. it's hard to say there's any, I don't know, offensive rebounding. <laughs> you only had four, but that's because you like, didn't You are making any every shots. shot. Yeah, what, yeah, come on. You didn't really have many chances. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think there was any. No villains. No villains. Uh, villain. Only heroes. Dewan Harris shooting the basketball?
3: Mm, okay.
0: I can I guess. buy that one. Yep. But it didn't matter. He didn't need to shoot the basketball. And in fact, it was exactly. probably better that way for Could this be.
3: game. Could be. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Let's see. Injuries. Jermond McDowell didn't play. Did yeah. That's a good one. I guess and injuries
0: there. Doesn't seem like a long term thing. Yeah. Yeah. Not sort of a lot like there. I'm a, a, a tiny villain, <laughs> tiny, teeny tiny one. <laughs> that was easily quashed for KU. All right, that's our Heroes and Villains segment. We, uh, we'll get on to some Bill Self post-game audio, what he had to say after the game against North Carolina Central. That coming up next with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Shock Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it.